see the broken vow, you see a love restored. We see the prodigal leave, you see them coming home. We see four walls of fear, you see faith's open door. see a glimpse of our days you see so much more father in heaven we've seen your heart redeeming with such love and grace that even when we see life falling apart you Isn't that a beautiful song? And she has a beautiful voice. Amen. God has given her a talent, a gift to use for the Lord, and he's given it to all of us. He's given all of us different talents and gifts. We can't all get up like Taylor and sing a solo, but we can do things for the Lord, and he gives us rewards and blesses us. And he puts our life in just the right order, doesn't he? Things may seem falling apart, 
but he puts it right back into place where he gets it for his will and his glory. Shall we just pray? Father, we're so thankful this morning for Taylor and her music ministry and for each person in the church who serves you, Lord. We're unworthy. We're sinners saved by grace. And you've called us to a ministry of service to bring others to Christ and to build up the body. We pray now that you'll quiet our hearts before you. Speak to us, Lord, and teach us what you'd have us to know. Please hide me behind the cross and pray that you will be glorified. And Lord, today we just pray for all those who are absent from us, that you'll bring them back safely. Some are sick, some are out of town, some away. Lord, we just pray you'll bring them back. Especially thank you for Sally. Pray for her, that you'll continue to strengthen her. Please be with Barbara also, that you will comfort her and guide her. And all those who are laid aside, we just pray now and thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever noticed or thought about how selfish our world is? Our world is selfish, it's ungodly, and so many people in the world today always look for someone else to blame. Because when you can find somebody else to blame and condemn, you can make yourself look better, right? And that's what so many people do today. And we've all done it. We've all been guilty of it, blaming somebody else. And we've also been on the other side of the coin where people have blamed us. But we thank God that our Lord Jesus Christ is not a blamer. He's not a condemner. He comes to seek and to save that which was lost. He doesn't come to put us down or put us to shame, but to give us a new life, new hope, a new purpose in life. And those who have been born again can truly rejoice that the old life is gone. It's wiped away, the, the slate is clean, God has the biggest eraser in the world, and when he gives us a new life, it gives us joy and peace like we've never known before. And the more we grow and the more we mature in Christ, the more thankful we are for what he's done for us. And we should never forget the old us that we were before in the respect that, see what he's done for us now, because the before was terrible but the after is great. You know, the, in the Gospel of John chapter 3, of course we have those familiar verses we all know, but in John 3, 17 to 19, the Lord says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness better than light, because their deeds were evil. You know, God didn't create sin. He didn't create evil or wickedness. He didn't create guilt and shame. Satan brought that in as the serpent. He tempted Eve. She took that forbidden fruit, gave it to her husband. They ate. They sinned. They sin ushered into the world. That sin nature is with all of us now. We're all guilty by, of sin. But God wants to do something great in our lives. He wants to save us from that sin and give us a new life. And he wants to change us from the inside, not just from the outside. There's plenty of places that you can go today to get change on the outside. Health clubs, diet studios, different places you can go, self-help courses and the like. 
God's not interested in that. He's wanting to change you and change me from the inside. Then he knows that will affect our outside. But he wants to get to the heart. Because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. He sees right into your heart today. He sees right into my heart today. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're doing. He knows our secrets that only he can know. And he still loves us. Still wants us to save us, and he wants to give us the best life. The only reason we don't have it is because we don't accept it from him. Or we get in our own way and we interfere with his plan and purpose for our life. Today we're going to speak about a woman who's mentioned in the Gospel of John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. We'll read 12 also. Who couldn't have gotten any lower, who couldn't have gotten into any worse sin, but who at the end of the story was forgiven and had a new life. The woman caught in adultery. I really appreciated when our dear brother Alan got up and shared at the breaking of bread and he named five people in the scripture who really experienced God's mercy and God's grace. He mentioned the woman at the well and he mentioned the thief on the cross. Well, he also mentioned this woman who was caught in adultery in the eighth chapter of John. I've been thinking about this chapter for a long, long time now and the Lord just kind of directed me this week this is the week to give this message on it. And we're so thankful for what the Lord can do. And the title of our message today is Go and Sin No More. Only the Lord Jesus can say something like that to a person. Go and sin no more. Because we don't have the power in ourselves to do it. We can say all we want. Oh, I'm going to stop sinning tomorrow. I'm going to stop sinning today. I'm not going to do that sin anymore. I'm not going to commit it again. I'm not going to get myself into that anymore. But in our human nature, in our sinful flesh, we have no power to change ourselves. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can save us and change us and say to us, go and sin no more. Amen. He has the power to do that. That expression, sin no more, is used only twice in the New Testament in the Gospel records. One this woman here, and number two, the man who had an infirmity for 38 years that was at the pool of Bethesda. And there he was there, and the Jewish leaders, they excommunicated him and all that, and the Lord Jesus spoke to him. And at the end of that conversation, he said, now go, and he says, sin no more, that nothing worse befalls you. Yes, we can be thankful for what the Word of God says. In this passage that we're going to read, and we're going to read it in a second, we see three things. Number one, she was caught. Number two, she was brought. And number three, she was besought. Let's read it together. John's Gospel, chapter 8. Ed will put it up on the screen. We'll begin reading at the very first verse of this chapter. Imagine the scene. Imagine if you were there and you were among those people that Jesus was teaching and you were sitting there and this, this happened. It would have really been a shock and it would have really got your attention very quickly. John chapter 8, verse 1, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. 
And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus said to them, Again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Imagine the scene. Jesus was teaching outside the temple. He had his disciples there, 12 of them. He had a few other people there that he was teaching, as he had done so many times before. And all of a sudden, they start hearing a commotion, yelling, screaming. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees and the scribes, they bring in this woman, terrified, fearful, trembling, guilty, ashamed, caught in adultery in the very act, and they bring her publicly out there in front of everybody to expose her sin. Sad. Sad story, but a happy ending. Yes, she was guilty. She was guilty of adultery, and we know from the Scripture that adultery is a sin. There is no question about that. And Jesus is not saying that it's not a sin. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 18, and also in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14, the law is given, and it says very clearly in the eight, seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. I love how the Lord makes things so simple and so clear for us. We don't have to debate it. We don't have to say, what does that mean? Do we need to study the, the Hebrew word and understand? No, you know that adultery is adultery. We know what that is. And we know that it's wrong and we know that it's sinful. Every Jewish boy and girl, they learned that. They knew it. But it's amazing that these people who brought this woman there were not trying to have any concern for her at all. They were to use her to try to test Jesus and try to get him to say something that could be used against him and expose him to the crowd. It's amazing. But they shamed this woman. They really did shame her. How many remember that story, The Scarlet Letter? The Scarlet Letter. It's a long book. It's a, written back, back many years ago. And this woman, same thing. She was caught with adultery. And she was given a red Scarlet, a scarlet red letter A that she had to wear everywhere she went. Think of the shame of that. Think of the guilt. Think everywhere you go. You go out to the store, you've got the red letter A on you. You go to the gas station, red letter A. You go to work, you go to school, red letter A. Everybody knows in the town you're an adulteress. They shamed her. And that's exactly what these Pharisees and scribes were attempting to do. They brought shame. 
Notice that they say here in this passage in verse 5, Now Moses in the law commanded such that such, that such should be stoned, but what do you say? Now that's a loaded question, isn't it? It puts the Lord on the spot. If he says, don't stone her, then he's going against the commandments of the Old Testament, the commandments of Scripture. He's going against Moses. He's going against everything that God has given. On the other hand, if he says, don't stone her, don't condemn her, then he's saying that to all the people that it's okay to break the law, right? No, it's not. But if he says to her, yeah, let her go, it's okay, he breaks the law there too. So either way he does it, if he condemns her or if he doesn't condemn her, somebody is going to accuse him of that. He'll either be accused of not being merciful because you're wanting to punish her, or you'll be pro not to be practice the word, and that wouldn't work either. They thought they really had him this time. They were trying to trap the Lord so many times in his words, and every time he was so wise that he was able to give an answer that they could not refute. Many times they came to him and did that. It's interesting that he says here, they said this testing him in verse 6, that they might have something of which to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear. Commentators speculate, and we don't know, that he was writing their names of these men who were there in the, in the sand by the temple, and he was writing their secret sins there. Now, we don't know that for sure. We can't go beyond what Scripture says, but it's interesting because as the story turns out, and we see in the story that we start seeing that these men were hypocritical because they had sins in their life too. They were sinners. And yet they looked down on this woman. They looked down on the prostitutes. They looked down on the tax collectors. They looked down on people. We're Pharisees. We're religious. We're good people. We're, we're following the law. We're following the traditions. And yet when Jesus turned it on them and said, let him who is without sin throw the first stone at her, they all left, every single one of them, because their motives were bad and they were sinful just like everybody else. It's amazing. And it says from the, young, from the oldest to the youngest, they went out. And it isn't amazing. These people were condemning this woman. Each one of them, we don't know how many they were, had one of these in their hands, a stone. It's a pretty heavy stone. Fits in your hand, good to throw, right? And they were ready to throw the stone at this woman. Just think, we're sinners, all of us. We all deserve the stoning ourselves. All of us deserve the condemnation. All of us deserve to go to hell. All of us deserve to be separated God from God forever. But the Lord Jesus has mercy. The Lord Jesus has compassion. He alone loves us so much that despite ourselves and the way we are right now, he sees beyond that, like the song that Taylor is, was singing, he sees to what we are going to be. And he saw this woman, not only how she was right then, but what she could be. And that's what he does in our lives as well. Each one of them went out. And I can just imagine, as they're going out, one by one, the oldest go first. Why? Because they had more sins. They were older. They could commit more than the younger ones. And they all went. And I can just imagine, as they're going... There goes the stone. 
Because now they're not going to throw a stone at her because the stone would come back at them, right? The stone would come back at them because they were sinners too. They were not without sin. The Bible says all have sinned in Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous. No, not one. Not even one of us can stand up and say, I've never sinned. Not one of us can do that. The only person who was perfectly sinless was the Lord Jesus Christ. As God manifested in the flesh, he's perfect God and he's perfect man. Of all of them there at that scene, he was the only one who could righteously and rightly throw a stone at her because he was without sin. But he didn't. He didn't. So she was caught and she was brought. You know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the gospel records and I believe, as far as I know, this woman was the only woman who was ever brought to Jesus against her will. I believe so. I don't think anybody else, because normally somebody's family will bring them to Jesus for healing. Maybe a friend will bring them. We had the four men that carried the, the crippled man in and lowered him down in the house. People brought people to Jesus and who wanted to be healed, who wanted to come. She came against her will. She was caught in adultery. She was humiliated. She was shamed. But the question is this. Where was the man? Because to have adultery, you've got to have a man committing the adultery with a woman, right? That's adultery. And the Bible is very clear that to have that situation, you have to have a man and a woman. And in the scripture, it says, the man, the adulterer, and the woman, the adulteress, were both to be put to death. So if these people were really sincere, where's the man? Did he flee away, cowered away? We don't know. But this woman was there. And now, in verse 11, we see, the Lord, or in verse 10, we see the Lord says, When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Where are the accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Has no one condemned you? Right there at that moment, she must have started to feel better, started to feel somehow safer, all the stones were on the ground. All the men were gone. And she's standing face to face with the Savior. And she didn't leave. She could have, you know, some people would have just, as soon as those people left, she would have gone the other way and ran the other way because she didn't want them to catch up with her uh, later. But she didn't because she felt a love. She saw something in his eyes, some compassion, some grace, some mercy, some kindness in the eyes of Jesus. The one who knew her thoughts and her actions. Remember that woman at the well and when she got saved and she went back to the town in Samaria, she said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Is this not the Messiah? Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one and only Messiah, the one who would go to the cross and die for her sins and die for our sins. And we can be thankful for that. Where are your accusers? Where are those who... Are there no one who condemned you? No one, Lord, she says. He says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. I like what Dr. Ironside said in his commentary on the Gospel of John. He says this, Oh, that I should have liked to have heard him speak that day. I am sure that there was such a tenderness, compassion, and pity, such as that poor woman had never heard in the voice of any man with whom she had held 
conversation. No condemnation. No condemnation. Now, notice, he's not telling her that what she did was right. He's not finding her not guilty. When the case would come to court, the case is, you're guilty. However, I died for you. I paid your guilt and your shame to save And that's why those of us who come to Christ to be saved, we can rejoice in the wonderful truth of Romans 8.1 that says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. But here's the question, several questions. Was she innocent of all the charges? No. Was she guilty of all the charges? Yes. Was she deserving of death? Yes, she was. The Lord Jesus could have given her a good tongue lashing, couldn't he? He could have read her the riot act. He could have gone back to the Old Testament scriptures and says, you committed adultery, that's a sin, you deserve to die, you're going to die now. But he didn't. He showed mercy. He showed grace. Yes, the Lord has a wonderful plan for each of our lives. And when you think of three different women, she's one of three that really did experience the grace of God, and all their names are not mentioned. You notice this woman doesn't have her name mentioned? We know very little about her background or anything about her. Also, the woman at the well is the same way. We don't know where she came from exactly. We do know some of her background and sin. But... And then there was a woman also taken who is a uh, sinful woman in Luke chapter 7, so it's the same thing. But the Lord Jesus made it very clear. He used to eat and drink with sinners, and they used to blame him for that. But praise God he did, because he loves sinners and wants to save them. He doesn't mix with sinners and let their sin rub off on him. And we shouldn't either. But we should have compassion and love and mercy for the lost, because they don't know what they're doing. They're lost. They don't have Christ. We need to be compassionate. We don't want to come and, and judge people and condemn them. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 and 13, when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a, of a physician, but those who are sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came to call you. To repentance. He came to call me to repentance. Not to leave us in our sinful condition, but to save us from it and give us a new life. The hymn writer that we, we sing so many times on Sunday morning, and it's so beautiful, said this, mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. And no matter what our sin is or what our past is, our dear brother Mark was sharing on that today. Some of us come from a very sinful background, some don't. But we all come through the blood of Christ. We all have to be forgiven. He shows us grace and he shows us mercy. Some people are just quiet sinners. They keep it all hidden on the inside. Others are more outward in their sin and you can see it. The scripture says some men's sins go before them, others follow after. And it's very true. But praise God for his mercy and for the words, go and sin no more. And as I said before, only the Lord Jesus can give you the power to go and sin no more. And the only way we can do it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the key is, brothers and sisters, to live lives in newness of life, 
to live lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, to live holy lives, godly lives, separated from the world, set apart for God. When we do that, we have power in our lives. And sin will not have that dominion and that power and control over us. Now, we're going to sin because we still have that old nature, that sinful nature. We're going to mess up. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sin. But the difference is we come to him and ask for forgiveness, and that slate is already wiped clean because he died for every sin, past, present, and future, to give us a new life. Paul says in Romans 6, 11 to 13, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. And do not present yourselves as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. That is what he wants us to do. I read a story. We've heard about Sir Colin Doyle, Arthur Colin Doyle, the one who wrote the Sherlock Holmes stories. I'm getting it slightly wrong there, but he was the one. He one day thought it would be nice to play a little trick on some of his friends, his well-to-do friends, and so he wrote these words and he sent it to all of them. All has been discovered, all is known, and he sent it to all of them. And the next thing you know, every single one of those men left the country because they all had sin. They all had secret sin. They all had things that they didn't want known or discovered. And we can be that way too. We can have secret sins. David said in Psalms, deliver me from my secret sins, from my presumptuous sins. And God knows. He already knows they're not secret to him. And he wants us to live lives of obedience him. And I love the beautiful words at the end of this section where he says in verse 12, and I'm sure the woman heard these words too, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You know, we're born sinners. We're born in utter darkness. We're dead toward God, separated from him. But when he saves us and shines that light on our lives, he gives us a new purpose, he gives us a new life, and we want to walk in that light. We want to walk in his light. We want to walk in the light of his word because his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We're not afraid to have him shine his word down on our lives because we're doing those things which are pleasing to him. May the Lord help us to be those who rejoice today that we're not condemned. Jesus came to save us, not condemn us, to give us a new life so that we can be like this woman, go and sin no more. What a joy. Can you imagine this woman who came so terrified and scared and, and shamed and everything? And she left peace in her heart. Peace in her heart. We don't know what happened to her afterwards, but I believe that she was saved from what happened here. And I also believe that we'll see her in heaven, that unnamed woman. And I would like to think of all the people down through the ages who got saved by reading this portion, reading her story. And one day she'll be able to greet them in heaven and, and said, that was my story. That's what happened. And we all have a story. All have a story because we all have a past. We all have sins that need to be forgiven. We need to accept him as our Lord and Savior and be saved. And when we do, we can rejoice. He wants us to live guilt-free. He wants us to live shame-free. He wants us to live a new life of joy because all the sins are gone, forgiven, the erasers out. 
He says, your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Isn't that great? The Lord never brings us out in the open and exposes us before people. It's all between us and him. Even the judgment seat of Christ in the future will be a one-on-one between us and our Savior. And he's not going to judge us for our sins, but judge us. he's going to reward us for those things that we did for him. Yes, go and sin no more. It's simple. It's short. Go and sin no more. We're now going to see it here and see a song that was written by a lady by the name of Rebecca St. James. You may have heard of her. She's a Christian singer. She wrote this song. I found this video and I listened to it again yesterday. There's a couple different versions, but this one here, I started crying because it just, it, go and sin no more. She wrote a song that takes up the story of this woman and what happened to her. Let's see it together. Me up. 
and no more. If there's anyone here today who has never experienced a new birth, never accepted Christ, think you're not worthy enough, you've done sins that are so bad, or maybe you don't think your sins are that bad. But today's the day to accept Christ. We saw a movie on Friday night about a man who was the high-priced sports agent, top of the world, made so much money, and he went to this little town, and his car broke down, and he stayed there, and he saw something different in the lives of the people there. He was struggling with it. He, he wanted what they had, but he didn't know how. Until finally, in his car, he was driving away. He got saved. He asked Christ into his life, turned the car around, which is a perfect symbol of repentance, went back, and he went to that bell. For those who saw the movie, who didn't see it, when someone got saved at this boy's ranch where they were, they would ring the bell. Today you can ring the bell. Today you can accept Christ into your life. Today can be a monumental day. March 8th, 2015 can be the day you can write down as the day of your salvation if you don't know him yet. Don't leave here without him. Accept Christ as your Savior. Then you can go and sin no more. Amen. And for those of us as believers... We can take heart in the fact that He loves us. He has a plan for our lives. He wants to do things for us. All we have to do is surrender to Him and we can go and sin no more. We can be a blessing to others. We can help and serve others. Shall we just close our eyes and close in a word of prayer? Father, we just thank You for the Lord Jesus who didn't come to condemn us but to save us, to wash away our sins, to die on the cross for us. And we pray if there's anyone here this morning who has not yet experienced your love and your forgiveness, your hope and your peace and joy and love. May it be today, Lord. And we pray for those who are believers and may be struggling with some sin or struggling with some situation. Help them to let it go, Lord, and ask for forgiveness and have that power to go and sin no more. And Lord, we just pray that you'll encourage us, take us home safely, and give us joy and peace as we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.